0: So we're going to get into 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're going to start in verse 12, and your Bibles probably say something like the final uh, greetings or final instructions, final whatever. I think of it more of the final instructions, and if, if I ever wrote a book in the Bible or a book period, it would probably be in the kind of form of this last so many verses that Paul wrote. It's just kind of eclectic. There's a whole bunch of stuff he just kind of throws out there at once, and it's all together, and that's why you don't always see this preached uh, all together. Usually people pick and choose little pieces out of it because there's so much to it. And uh, But I, I, the way I look at it is it's kind of like for parents, you know, that whenever you're about to go out, like as a couple or whatever, and you're about to leave the house and you tell your kids, hey, we're leaving, you better behave for the babysitter. You better, listen, you better respect the babysitter. Nobody else wants to watch you. This is the only one we got left. Behave, clean your room, do your homework, and you give them this whole final list of stuff to do before you leave. You've already trained them. You've already prepared them. You've already told them what's going on. But then right before you leave the house, you got to say, behave, right? And you tell them all this stuff real quick. You just give them this long list. And that's kind of what Paul's doing here. He's closing out the letter and he's like, all right, now this, right? And that's where we're at right now with Paul. And I'm going to pray before we get into this because it's not a long, like in your Bible, you're probably looking, you're like, all right, we're going to get out of here early. Most of you that have heard me over and over, you know, that don't ever happen. Uh there's a lot here. It's uh there's a lot for us to glean from it. And as Pastor Chad said over and over, the expository teaching, which is my style of teaching anyway, so I'm glad it's this way. It takes a message you may not put together and put it together for you. So these aren't things you would normally teach all together, and we get to learn it all together. So let's go to Lord in prayer. Father God, I pray that uh, that today, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts, Lord. I pray that that Your Holy Spirit would uh, would just speak through me, would give the words needed to each of us, Lord. It's your it's your words, Jesus. You 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 gave these words. You inspired these words. They're already your words, and I pray I would just get out of your way. They would come come out the way you would like them to come out, Lord, and that that our hearts be ready to receive them, Lord, and that we would each be completely changed by what you're going to do here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to start in verse 12, and uh, this will be a little different than how Chad does it, but that's all right. It says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace amongst yourselves. And this is a hard one. Uh, we live in a society that this is not normal. You know, whenever you're at work or whatever you do at school, uh, watching TV, whatever it is, usually our first thought is is to critique whatever we see. It's what we do. We're good at it, you know. Well, that boss, he doesn't even know what he's doing. He don't do this every day. He don't have an idea. You know, uh, if you watch sports... First thing they do every day after football is first thing they do is they go in and they tear down everything the teams did. They don't talk about how great it was or, man, that was a fun, interesting game. It's always like, you know, if that coach would have did this or if this one did that. And, and John was telling me the other day after the national title game, uh, Nick Saban, the greatest college football coach of all time, won more national championships, I think, than anybody. He loses a game, and what do they do? They start questioning how he coached the game. And it's like, you've never won a national title, yet you're going to critique the guy who has. And and I think that's kind of what Paul's saying here. Let's not be so critiquing as much as we are uplifting, right? And we get to that point of uh, we can do that. You know, I do that. I, I remember watching, uh, I've shared this before, but I, I remember watching a show uh, where they made knives. It's called Forged in Fire. I've never made a knife in my life. I've never turned on a forge in my life. I'd probably blow it up. It, uh, but they start making these knives, and I'm like, that's really cool. I was like, I, I couldn't do that. I don't. I don't know how to do that, you know. And they start, they take it and they put it in the fire and they start beating it and they do all the stuff. And you know, I watched an episode of it and I was like, wow, I learned a lot in that. Right? Really, I didn't. I couldn't have went right out and did it. But then I watched a couple more episodes. and About three, four episodes into it, I'm a perfect. I'm perfectionist. I know what I'm doing. Like, I still haven't made a knife in my life. I've never turned on a forge in my life. But I could tell you where every one of them are doing wrong. And I could tell you they're not very good at what they're doing. Yet they made it to the show and I didn't. Right? And it's, uh, for some reason, the people who ran that show thought, this is the person we need to be there. And I'm sitting at home and I'm like, wow, what an idiot. He should have never did that. Right? And And truth is, is, you ask somebody to do something in two hours or three that takes most people three days. And, you know, you're watching these shows and we, we critique them. And, uh, and I'm going to look at Hebrews 13, 17, and 19 to kind of give an idea of this. It's, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. And those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not... And not groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. And I I, I like that. If these people are put over you, if Pastor Chaz put in place here to watch over us and, and shepherd us and be our, our our leader, why would we make it hard on him? Why would we grumble? Why wouldn't we be the most supportive people in the world? The guy who's trying to help us, who's trying to support us, trying to feed us? And our elders and and the leaders and you know we have Amanda downstairs. We should be supporting all the people who are trying to serve us. We should be the biggest supporters. They should never feel like, oh my goodness, this is this is hard. Instead, it should be, man, I really appreciate these people helping me help them. We should be pouring out so much love, right? Whenever you're called to be a pastor. And it's it's easy, you know. I've, I've i know so many people who've who left churches because of the pastor, and I've always asked them, Did you sit down and talk with the pastor? The answer is always no. I was like, Have you been praying for the pastor? And they're like, I've been praying, but have you prayed for the pastor? Right? It's it's a big difference whenever you just sit back in your armchair armchair quarterback and you can tell what's going on, but unless you're the person God put in that place, it's hard to do it. It's a, it's, a, it's a rough job, and it goes on in uh, verse 18 of Hebrews 13. It says, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. And, and it's, it's that whole thing, pray for your leaders. You know, if, if we're not praying for Pastor Chad daily, if we're not praying for the leaders of this church daily, we're failing them. And and we could say a leader may be failing, but we're failing also if we're not doing our part. We're all in this together, right? And it's tough. It is tough to be a leader. And it's uh it's very easy to lead from the sideline. It's very hard to lead in action. And uh they need our support. And it uh and we do a pretty good job usually of supporting, but we just, it has to be something we get great at. And I like that, uh, you know, that's the first thing he puts at the end in his final greetings is, and this, like I said, it's the mind a babysitter, you know, which Pastor Chad ain't a babysitter, even though sometimes he probably feels so when he deals with me. Um, uh, and, and to that uh, thought process, I want to think of this, and I'm going to go to John 3 to make this point, but. We have to be careful what we say. You know, Jesus never said anything out of turn. He never said anything, mostly because he is the word of God. If he did, it would have just happened. But he was always careful in what he said. And we should be the same. If we are in the image of God, what we speak should only be truth. It should never be lies. What we speak should only be edifying. It should never be to tear down. If we, we thought of ourselves as the very... Uh, ambassador of Christ, if we thought of ourselves as a very image of God, we would guard our words a little bit more. And I say that because what Jesus says happens, which tells me what we say has some kind of benefit. It has some kind of uh, effect, something that lasts. Now, I can't speak and make the world come into existence, but I can speak and mess somebody's world up right and i got to be careful on how i speak and it says in john 3 it says not many of you should become teachers my brothers for you know that actually this is james 3 it says not many of you should become teachers my brothers for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness for we all stumble in many ways and if anyone does not stumble in what he says he is a perfect man able to also to bridle his whole body If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by the very small rudder, wherever they will, of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. And I share that that for a good reason. And the reason why I say that is, we may think we're just speaking a word of uh, silently or we're just saying it, oh, I didn't mean it, or, or maybe we think, like, I would never act on that or I'd never say it to that person or I'd never say it. Once you start speaking things, it starts changing you. It starts moving you. Your body follows what you say. Your thoughts start following what you say, and you could say, no, it doesn't. Well, hey, call James a liar, not me. It's scripture, right? So we got to we got to obey the scriptures. We got to read the scriptures. It goes on and says, "How great is a forest set ablaze by such a small fire? And a tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting the fire, setting the fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell." Hmm. I'm going to say that again. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting the fire on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. If the words that are coming out of our mouth are not from Jesus and they're not edifying Jesus and they're not lining up with Scripture, saying it's setting a fire by hell. That's a scary thought. Sometimes we speak and maybe we just are venting and we're not paying attention and somebody next to us is hearing that and we've already changed their whole thought process. You may not even be mad necessarily or, or vengeful towards somebody, but when you start speaking it, that other person's thoughts of somebody else starts changing. That's why Jesus is always very strict on gossip and speaking things such as that. goes on and says, For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed. It has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both flesh or fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers bear olives and grapevines and a grapevine produce fruit or uh, figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And you can't do it on your own. This is why we pray. this is why we ask the Holy Spirit. this is why we, submit what we say to the lord before we say it. This is why we are in the word. If we're not in the word and we're not learning what God says and we're not speaking the way God would speak, we we have no we have no chance. Without prayer, being in prayer often, without the word often, without following what the lord says and being close to the lord, you're always going to have this problem. It's impossible not to. Right. The only way fresh water comes out is if there's a fresh water source put, put into it. It's the only way it happens. And it, it, it's, it's the way it works. What comes out of our mouth will be what we put into our bodies and into our minds. All right, we're going to go back to 1 Thessalonians here. and First uh, Thessalonians 5.14. Like I said, these things go a little bit different. They're uh, an eclectic message, and it says, And we urge you, brothers... Admonish the idle. And some of you are sitting here and you're like, I am glad we're getting to this. <laughs> because we are in a place right now where the workforce is minimal and, and people don't always do what they need to do, but I don't know that he just means the working. Ephesians fifteen or 5.15 says, uh, it speaks on not being idle but to be active. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the will of the Lord, what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And I love that they're singing that song, Come Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit. And, and we need to be focused on that. We need to be filled with that. We need to be wise. We need to be living in that way. And it said, uh, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ and it didn't necessarily say anything about work, but it's telling you to stay busy, be active, be a, be a fellowship, join together, right? I should be, I should be active at all times in ministry, but I should also be active in uplifting my brothers and sisters. I should be active in pursuing the Lord. I should be active in allowing the Holy Spirit to use me. Whenever you are idle, that's when those things like drunkenness come in. It's talking about and debauchery and all those things. When we are idle, things can come in, and I don't really have to say it too much because Pastor Chad will get into it soon in Second Thessalonians three, where it says, "If you're idle, you don't eat." Right? If you're if you if you love to be asleep, you know we, we see it through Scripture over and over. We already know if you're not working, you're wrong. But if we're not active in ministry, we're wrong. If we're not active in serving the Lord, we're wrong. We have to remember that, and, and I love how Paul just puts this stuff out there. Paul was one of those people who just spoke his mind, and uh, that's why Pastor Chad always says that if, if anybody in the Bible he was close to being like, it'd probably be Paul. They say stuff sometimes that's really harsh, but Paul got away with it, right? Because well, he's writing in the Bible, and who was going to tell him no? And uh, So these are things we need to be thinking of. Uh, and, and honestly, they do work together a lot we uh I can say it's eclectic, but whenever we work together and we're not idle we're we're active in in serving we're active in doing what we're supposed to be doing that first one becomes easier also where we're uplifting our leaders, where we're speaking into them right whenever we're glorifying God in them and we're you know instead of tearing somebody down and we're speaking positively it all comes together in that. Uh, so I'm going to continue on verse 14 in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 as I said this is very eclectic I just want to jump around a little but it, said, uh, it says encourage the fainthearted help the weak be patient w- with them all see that no one repays anyone evil for evil but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone this is hard for us. This this can be really hard for Christians because it goes back to that old armchair quarterback thing. When somebody's struggling, oftentimes we're like, "Man, they're just being a baby," or if somebody's always sick, we're quick to say, "Well, they just they're always sick. That's just you know they need to just suck it up." And and I'm quick with that. I don't have compassion. My, it's not a gifting I have. Anytime you see compassion in me, it's the Lord doing it. Uh, because it's a it's a struggle I have, but we should never be that way. It uh, helping the weak, and I and you're be like I like to help people, but I'm going to ask you this: When was the last time you came beside a brother and sister and helped them? When was the last time you went out of your way to uh, to sacrifice for someone? When was the last time that you saw a need and you provided it instead of going to somebody else and asking them to provide it? Right. And, and at encouraging the faint hearted, there's all time all the time you hear people who are just down or they're sometimes they're just negative and we don't go in and we don't encourage them. Encouragement's huge. I remember uh, Josh speaking of it one time in men's group, you know, the, the the importance of encouragement. I know I am here today because I've had a lot of people encourage me. And we've had some of the most encouraging people around here there is. I know Dorothy Shoulders has encouraged me my whole life. Well, my whole walk with Christ at least. And that's uh without it, people can't they can't succeed. They don't even know they're doing good. If somebody goes out and does well and nobody ever encourages them, they don't know they did well. They don't know how they're doing because we're not doing our part. And this is uh this is one of those messages that's for all of us. Right, we got to get better at these things. It's the we're about to go out, so you do these things type message. Paul's telling us, you know, we just heard last week that he was telling us the the end times are coming and Jesus can come back any time. So, here's my final instructions. Right, start acting this way. To see, no one repays anyone evil for evil was a. a it's a tough one too because. Sometimes we just want to fight, especially men. Like, at any moment, we're ready to go into ninja style. And uh, we may not be able to do it, but we want to do it. And whenever something happens, somebody's coming against us, some, something's wrong, we want to be the ones to fight them. And our our flesh wants to kick in. And, and I believe men were created to fight. I believe it wholeheartedly. That's why little boys from a young age are scrapping. They're rolling on the ground. Nobody had to teach them. It just happened. John and I grew up fighting. My mom would tell you from the moment we were born until we were probably teenagers. Nonstop is just what we did. And it. Uh, nobody had to train us. What you do have to train people is how to fight properly. Right? We have to do that. And uh, if we're not fighting properly, we will repay evil for evil. We will fight. If somebody comes in and punches us, we're just going to punch them back. We won't turn the other cheek and show and show them love. We won't fight biblically. We won't fight like Christ would. Instead, we're going to fight with our fists. We're going to fight with our flesh. Ladies, you do it too. And you may think, like, good thing we don't fight. You do. <clears throat> but you usually fight with words. Right? And you will speak an evil word right back to somebody. Man, we don't have the time usually to speak the evil word. We just throw punches. We're, maybe we're just not smart enough to get the words. I don't know. But but we do it, and we shouldn't. We should never be fighting evil with evil. And, and sometimes it's perceived evil we fight with evil. And if you look at our politicians right now, how often do we fight evil for evil there instead of hitting our knees and fighting it with prayer? Seek to do good to one another and to everyone. That goes right back to it. Are we going out of our way to do good to one another? And and this this follows along that, that thing of Jesus saying, love your neighbor as yourself. And if we're truly loving our neighbor as ourself, we would treat them as well as we treat ourselves. Anytime you have a need, you will go out of your way to fulfill that need. But do you do it for your neighbor? you do it for others. Right? Anytime you need to fix something, you're going to spend time doing it. Well, help your neighbors. Love one another as you would love yourself is what he said. That's Jesus, that ain't even Paul. That's not James. That's Jesus saying that one, so we might want to we might want to listen on that one. Hebrews 10, 24 says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Do we stir people up to love and good works? When I speak to you, I should be wanting you to love others better and to do good works. Do I help you get to that point? Do you help others get to that point? Or does your negativity sometimes bring them down to where they don't want to do it anymore? How are we speaking to people? goes back to how we treat our leaders. Not neglecting to meet together. And this is a hard one because we know that we have a, a great reason not to meet together in COVID. It's a never-ending excuse. But God didn't give us excuses. He gave us commands and it was to meet together. But we are getting better and better at having a reason not to come together. And how can you encourage somebody? How can you show love? How can you do the things that are being called to if we're not together doing it? Right? And it says, as is the habit of some being, and then it goes, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So as Paul was saying, the day's coming clear, nearer and nearer, and I don't know about you, but as I look at our world, I think today is a whole lot more near than why would I be gathering together less? Why would I be encouraging less? Why would I be loving less? Why would I be doing things less than I was before, even though it looks like it could be happening any time, and we act like we got forever to get ready? It's not what Paul said. It's not what Jesus said. It's not what Scripture says. All right, I'm going to go back to... uh 1 Thessalonians 5:16 and don't worry I won't go through all of them this long maybe but these are important things these are things he gave at the end that he wanted us to remember it says rejoice always I don't even have to ask you if you're rejoicing always you already know and you may be like that's hard you know it's, usually whenever I'm counseling with somebody and we're talking, and I'm like, it sounds like you're always negative. Do you take time to, like, be positive? Do you?" And they're like, well, it's not as easy as you think. And I'm like, it's not as hard as you think. Right? We make things seem really hard, but Scripture wouldn't say to do it if it couldn't be done. He would say, do it, rejoice if you can, is what it would say, instead of always. But it says rejoice Always. The problem is, is our minds don't want to change. We're not changing our thought processes, the words we speak. You know, in the morning we wake up and we're like, oh, I gotta go to work. Instead, be like, Lord, I don't really want to, but I really thank you for providing this job, Lord, and let me be positive in it, right? you got to start praying about it. If you are a negative person, you have to start making a change yourself. You have to start allowing God to do that instead of just saying, I can't do that. That's not who I am. We always make an excuse for why we're where we're at. And I love that Scripture never gives you that excuse. It always tells you to just do it. But then we're like, oh, I can't. Pray without ceasing. If you did that, you probably would rejoice more. And it doesn't mean, and you guys have all heard it, it doesn't mean you just sit in a prayer room and pray all day long. This means your heart should be connected to God all day long. You should be fellowshipping with the Lord. He should be on your heart, on your mind. Prayer is fellowship with the Lord, right? It's not just words, actually. Words are a very small part of prayer. Communication, fellowship with the Lord, that's the important thing. If you go into prayer and you're praying all the time, you're speaking to the Lord when you're in prayer more than you're listening to the Lord, that's not prayer, that's complaining or venting or talking to the Lord. And nobody likes to be talked at. Nobody. None of you guys in here are like, man, I love when somebody just comes in and just starts talking at me. And You don't like it. I don't think God likes it. He would like to communicate with you. He'd like to talk with you. He would like to spend time with you. Instead of hitting your knees at at night and saying, Thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for blessing us. Uh, let me sleep well. Amen. It's not a prayer. That's a kind of like a citation. I don't know what that is, but it's not prayer because you didn't even take time to address who you're talking to or to speak to him and, and acknowledge who he is, and it uh you know, communication, like whenever I pass you and I'm just like, "Hey, have a good day. Don't forget we have this going on. That's not communication, that's me telling you something. For praying without ceasing is communicating with the Lord, but even spending time throughout the day. Jesus was great at it. I am not. Give thanks in all circumstances. It goes right back to that whole rejoicing and giving thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So this week, whenever whatever bad happened to you, maybe you were sick Maybe like a leash, you woke up with a flat tire. Maybe whatever else could have happened to you, it happened this week. Did you give thanks for it or did you just grumble? Did it ruin your day? Or are you just beside yourself about it? Whenever somebody's talking bad about you, whenever whatever it is, are you thankful? Lord, thank you for this opportunity to bless you and what I'm going through. Right? I don't have to be thankful that somebody punches me in the face. Oh, thanks for punching me in the face. But no, I can say, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to show restraint and love in a a situation such as this. God lets us go through stuff to train us. And we should be thankful that we have those opportunities. But it takes a change in mindset. Because our first reaction is usually not to thank God for the troubles we're going through. Usually it's to ask Him to take it away and not let us go through it. It's not what He said. He said, be thankful in everything, right? If, if we're supposed to pray for God just to take things away, Jesus would have never went to the cross. Right? He said, your will be done. And then He was grateful for the opportunity. And he always thanked the Father, even when he raised Lazarus. And he's praying, and he's like, thank you, Lord, for letting these people see who you are, right? And in in my mind, I would have been like, Lord, when are they going to get it? When are they going to realize who I am? But instead, he's thankful for the opportunity to show people who the Lord is. And we, we should always be thankful. Do not quench the spirit. I'm going to let Scripture say this one because I can go on and on about not quenching the Spirit, but if we go to 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 9, it says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him, human wisdom, uh-oh, i got something missing there, I did skip right on past it. it. Says though these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And uh, Jason earlier was this morning was talking about in in James, the book of James, where uh, says you don't know what tomorrow brings. You know, you don't know the next moment. I don't know what's going to happen when I walk out of this door I don't know what's going to happen right now there could be a plane fall right on this place and kill us all right now I don't know but the Holy Spirit does he knows what's going to happen he knows what the next move is he knows what the next step is so it says, these things God has revealed to us through the spirit for the spirit searches everything even the depths of God for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him I want you to go back to, real quick after saying that, I want you to go back to our leaders, how we're supposed to lift them up and how we're supposed to be encouraging to them. You don't know what's going on in that person. You don't know what they went through. You don't know what this week had. You don't know what God told them to do. When we are judging what's going on often with people, we don't know what God's calling them to. We only know what we see, which is usually a really small part. If I went to you and I started judging you by how your week went, your first thought's going to be, you don't even know what I did this week. Right? I can say, hey, why weren't you here? How dare you? And you're going to be like, do you realize I was out of town saving babies? You know, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm an idiot. I didn't know. Right? The Spirit knows. So if we let the Spirit guide us, even when we're speaking to people, the Holy Spirit will know what needs to be said. Because He's the Holy Spirit and we're not. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God when we pray. If we would pray and start out in prayer of Holy Spirit, search me, Holy Spirit, show me how to pray. I don't know what to say. I only know my own desires. And we start letting the Holy Spirit pray through us and we start letting the Holy Spirit Search us. The words aren't near as important as the, the uh intent behind it. And if the Holy Spirit knows the thoughts of God, and I don't, I should probably rely a little bit more on the Holy Spirit. Right? Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. You were given the spirit of God that you would understand freely the things of God. So whenever you're walking through the week and you're sitting here trying to think of, I just don't understand the scripture. I don't understand what I'm supposed to do next. Or I don't understand this. You know, People tell me all the time it's really hard to read the Bible because it bores me. And, uh, and that's a legitimate thing. It used to bore me. I used to only read scripture because before I truly was saved, I thought it was a repentance. I talked to Randy about this the other week. I would, when I did anything wrong, I would go home and I'd read my Bible. Because I thought I was paying a price and it was boring. I got to know it. I got to, to know the words. I didn't understand it. I didn't have wisdom, didn't follow it. But I could twist the scripture pretty well to mean what I wanted it to at times. But if the word is truly boring to you, you need to pray about it. You need the Holy Spirit in you. The only way it will ever be revealed to you is through the Holy Spirit. It is the only way. And I promise you, if you start praying that the Holy Spirit will reveal Scripture to you, and you start taking your time to actually read and be guided in how you read, this will be the most exciting book you ever read. There will be no movie, there will be no play, there will be no TV show that will ever compare to what you read in this scripture if you have the Holy Spirit revealing it to you. But you have to have the Holy Spirit revealing it to you. It'll get so, you'll be hungry for it. You'll, you'll no longer think about binge watching Netflix or you're going to think about binge reading the Bible. You can't get enough. But it takes the Holy Spirit. And we impart this in words taught by human wisdom. No, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. It's a lot of spiritual. But whenever we are actually speaking, whenever Pastor Chad's up here preaching, if Jason's up here, Keevan, whoever is preaching, it could be Mike, it doesn't matter if the Holy Spirit's revealing something to us, and it's a spiritual word it's 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 for all of us we are to receive it it is it's given to us for that reason. the natural person does not accept these things except the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned and and I want to remind you that we're talking about not quenching the spirit and uh we are in a time period now to where I want to say, I don't remember if it's 60% or 70% of churches in America do not believe in the movement of the Holy Spirit. That means that many churches do not have God moving in their church. Because you cannot separate God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are one God. And if you do not have the, the Holy Spirit, if you are not recognizing the Holy Spirit, and you're not letting him move, you don't have God. We have to discern these things. We have to pay attention to these things. We cannot let people tell us different than what Scripture is telling us. There are a lot of, a lot, a lot of big-name pastors who will tell you the things the Holy Spirit did in Scripture don't happen now. Who can tell God he can't do what he wants to do? I, I We talked about it yesterday. It was uh, John Piper said, hey, you'll never hear me say God can't do what he wants to do. Right? We should never be that way. Instead, we should be seeking for God to do these things. We should be seeking for the Holy Spirit to move. We should give the Holy Spirit as much attention as we do Jesus and God the Father. They're one. Right? says, a spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be d- judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's a tough one. If we are actually in the Lord and we're in the Holy Spirit and we're living properly, there should be nothing to judge. Should be nothing to judge mind you there's a lot of things God's going to be able to judge on me but if somebody's operating in the Holy Spirit if somebody's operating by a godly calling we probably shouldn't judge them as much as we pray for them if we have an issue we pull them aside and discuss it with them it uh it goes back to the whole David thing David would never bring a charge against Saul because Saul was the spiritual leader he was God's anointed. And oftentimes, we take God's anointed people and we want to judge them. And that's not just Pastor Chad or, or myself or one of our elders. That's anybody anointed for a position and we start judging them, you know. it. uh Over the years, I've heard people try to question what Ryan does as a worship leader. In my opinion, we have the best worship leader in the world. And uh, I would not replace him for anybody. Does he make mistakes? He'll be the first to say he does but he's anointed by God and he's trying to follow God and he's trying to do what the Lord calls him to do. And so when it comes to something we don't like, we probably shouldn't judge. We should probably pray for him. We should probably speak to him. Hey, Ryan, why do you do this? Right? A lot of times the stuff that Ryan does on on stage, we don't know it, but it's something he prayed about and the Holy Spirit tells him to do it. And then we're like, I don't really like that. And it's like, well, maybe ask him why he's doing it. Maybe there's a bigger reason why we're doing it instead of, it's just not normal or it's not what I like, right? But we we need to if, if we are moving spiritually, we won't judge those people. We we understand that hey, he's got the anointing of the Holy Spirit over him. Maybe I'll go talk to him instead of tearing him down, right? Okay, so we're gonna continue and we we'll try to close out the first Thessalonians five here. And uh verse twenty says. Do not despise prophecies. And Jason spoke on this this morning about the uh, stick to the plan. We've had a lot of prophecies about where this church will be. We've had a lot of prophecies about uh, our pastor. We've had a lot of prophecies about reaching this community. We should never think that, oh, we're not seeing what we want to see, so it couldn't be true. A prophecy... It's not something we fulfill. A prophecy is a word telling us what's going to happen. Right? So I don't have to have despise a prophecy. I don't have to say whatever God said, I don't like it or it, it obviously isn't true because it's not happening. No, a prophecy is to tell you what's going to happen and you come alongside the Lord and as he makes it happen, you get to watch it unfold and then you can praise the Lord for what he did. We don't have to make a prophecy come true It is a word spoken by God and he will do it and as Jason said this morning we stand we we stick to the plan of God and we follow the Lord and guess what he'll make it happen never should we stop and say oh that ain't no I don't like that one or you know that obviously isn't the case because it hasn't happened yet Hey, some prophecies take 40 years some of them take 40 seconds you know we just don't know but we we follow what the lord is speaking a good prophetic word comes from the lord we should never despise it now you do test them it is okay to test the prophecy okay which it says here but test everything hold fast what is good hold fast what is good that means you stick to it you keep to what is good whenever somebody comes in being negative hey Let that go. You even rebuke them. Whoa, stay away from me, negative Nancy. Right? You stop them. You hold fast to what's good. When you see a brother or sister gossiping, stop it. You hold fast to what's true and what's good. Whenever you see something wrong, speak against it. Right? Don't don't publicly backlash against them or nothing. Don't, Don't be negative yourself. But you... You keep to what's good. You hold what's good and you help others in that, right? Test the spirit around you. Test what's being spoken to you. Abstain from everything, every form of evil. I could really go over this a lot, but I think you already know that. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here he is saying, I'm telling you these things so you are ready. So you are set apart. So you are sanctified for the Holy Spirit, for, for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And that goes back to that whole prophetic thing. If God calls it, he'll do it. If the Lord asks you to do something that you're not doing, hold to it. He'll do it. But you've got to let him. He won't let you down. Right? He's never called anybody into something and then said, Nope, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to fail you. He can't do it. And you may think, like, well, Jeremiah preached to some people who didn't receive it. Jeremiah went and preached to people who wouldn't receive it because Jesus, God said, Go preach to these people who aren't going to receive you. He did exactly what he was called to do. And it fulfilled exactly how God called it to be. Ours is not the outcome. Ours is the obedience. And if we can remember that, that's all that matters. If I step out and I do something, I've I've led ministry things where one person shows up, and guess what I did whenever I got there? I did exactly what God called me to do. And it was wonderful. Because God called me to do it, not to, to, for the outcome of it. He called me to do it in obedience. Brothers, pray for us. And Tracy, you can come on up. We're, we're closing out here. It says, brothers, pray for us. I always hate this one. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Guess what? Don't kiss me after this. It. uh. I say don't fight in the flesh, but if you kiss me, whoo might be some fe- fleshly fighting. But it's just saying greet one another. This is how you would greet. This was an intimate greeting. When we come in, do we just walk past people or do we pick and choose the ones that we want to talk to? Do we have, when we're out, out places... Do we pick the people who we want to talk to? Whenever I'm inside of a store and it's me and one other person in the store and they look creepy and I'm like, not greeting that person. Right? I should. I should give them my most intimate greeting. I should be so kind to everybody. And this is talking about brothers, but we should be praying, we should be greeting everybody that way. People should see in you something they don't see in anybody else. And that's the Holy Spirit. They should know you know, Pastor Rod used to speak about going into restaurants and he could recognize other Christians just by the filling of the Holy Spirit around them. We should be those people that when people are around us, they're like, wow, there's something different about you. Right? And if we're not greeting people with a holy not kiss, <laughs> then we're not doing it right. Right? says, so I put you... Under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. So as you might think, I'm tired of First Thessalonians. Pastor Chad drug it out. Now Eddie made the shortest part of it even longer. We're only doing what the Lord said. He said, "Read it to the brothers." And then it closes out and it says, "The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And we are blessed. We are blessed uh, not because we have two buildings, not because we have great people here. We are blessed because the grace of God has come upon us. We uh, We are called to be so much different. We are called to be a people that as the time gets shorter and shorter, people are drawn to God. Far too often over time, we have seen people who are called Christians who have pushed other people away. We've seen people leave churches because of brothers and sisters, and sometimes possibly because of us. And I would say sometimes it may be them, but I would say more often than not, it's probably the way we treat people, the way we look, the way we act. Now, hey, they should be here seeking the Lord. they should be here seeking the Lord but not everybody does that flesh gets in the way you cannot change how other people act you cannot fix other people you cannot do anything other than being the best version of Christ you can be and that happens by the way you do it and that happens because of you allowing the Holy Spirit to change you by you allowing God to change you When I see my pastor, the first thing I like to do is lift that man up. Not physically, because I can't pick him up. But I will always encourage him. When I see our other leaders, I will always encourage them. When I see you, I will always encourage you. I will always do my best to love you to the best of my abilities. Right? I will do my best to always serve you. If I fall short, pull me to the side. I will will be glad to talk to you. I want to be held accountable. Right? But we are called. As the parents are leaving, the babysitter's left. We're called to behave. We're called to pay attention. We're called to be respectful. We're called to be different. And how many of you know that as parents, when you leave the house, is when you want your kids to act the best. All saying, "Hey, the Lord ain't here yet, but act your best right now. Put your best foot forward. Look different than we are." And this ain't me saying some of you guys are all messed up. This is me saying we are all messed up, and we could all be better. I fall short daily when I read scriptures like this. I'm convicted to the core. When I read a scripture like this, I'm not looking around and being like, "Man, Brian, that's for you." I'm looking at it. And I'm thinking oh my goodness the Lord just kicked me in my teeth I'm really messed up and that's how we take a word like this we don't take it as in well Eddie just don't know he don't understand you're right I don't I don't really care because the word says to do it don't make excuses anymore don't look at the reasons why you can't do anything or why you won't do anything look at the reasons of why I'm going to Say, Holy Spirit, search me. Holy Spirit, I need you. And if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, or you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, come up here and pray. Seek the Lord. I'll pray with you, but at your heart. Your heart needs to be searching these things, seeking these things. So I'm going to close with in prayer here. And we're going to worship. And as, as we worship, if you need prayer, I'm here. You know, our leaders are here. Lights here. we got a lot of people here who will pray for you. We love to pray, but mostly it's a good time for you to seek the Lord. So, Father God, I thank you today, Lord. I thank you that, Lord, I thank you. You love us so much that you give us words to remind us of where we need to be. I thank you that when you went to heaven, you didn't leave us alone. You gave us your Holy Spirit to spend time with us, to guide us, to mentor us, to to teach us. Lord, you gave us brothers and sisters, God, to to help us, Lord, but also for us to help them, God. Wherever we fall short, Lord, wherever I fall short, Lord, I pray in this time you would reveal it to me, Lord, that you would minister to me in it, Lord, that, God, you would reveal anything inside of me, God, that does not line up with you. I thank you, Lord, in advance for the testimonies we will have. Lord, minister to us as we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we leave, I want to challenge you. If ever you've left the church because of a pastor because of a leader because of people at the congregation i i, I challenge you to pray for them and if the lord leads that you would go and you'd make amends of that if, if ever there's a time maybe somebody you work with where you haven't treated somebody the way the lord would have you maybe it's a family member maybe it's A neighbor, maybe it's I don't know who, but if if there's never been anybody, you have not acted the way you should have acted to that person, I pray you make the amends. And I challenge you in that. If you want to begin to see the Lord change in your life and do great work in your life, it, it starts with addressing the issues we have. It starts with us. will promise you if you begin to to minister in this way and you begin to make amends for those things it'll bless those people also and you'll start seeing a change in those people our ministry as individuals because we're all called to ministry is only as good as we let the Lord let it be in us so I, I challenge you to do that and I know it's tough but pray about it because what God would do and that's what he called us to do is you know, forgive your brother before you come to me and so we need to make amends we need to be better leaders ourselves and we need to be encouraging we need to be uplifting and we need to be the best version of Jesus Christ we can be so I'm going to close this in in prayer and you're free to go but I just want us to be the best if we're the best we will change our whole community those around us and if you want when you leave greet each other with that holy kiss I don't know but make sure you're greeting one another alright so Father God I thank you Lord I thank you for speaking this to me Lord I pray that God if there's anything in me anybody you would reveal to me God that I need to make amends to Lord that I need to go to and, and speak to Lord and, and Apologize or to to speak to one on one, Lord. I pray you reveal that to me, Lord, and for all those here, Lord. And God, help us uh, identify anybody we need to be lifting up in prayer. Those that we need to speak with one on one. Those who maybe maybe they're gone now, Lord, and we just need to that out to you, God. I pray you'd reveal it to us, Lord. I pray you'd give us the strength in that, God. I pray you'd give us boldness. And Father God, as we go throughout our week, Lord, that we would not not let Sunday be Sunday, God, but we would live our whole lives every single day the same, God, and we'd let your Holy Spirit move through us on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, God, that every day would be the same. Your Holy Spirit would use us the same And that no matter what day it is, God, we would love people the way you love them. I thank you for everybody in here. In Jesus' name we pray.